Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Uh, anybody near Garth Brooks yesterday, anybody near Garth Brooks, please come and have a COVID <laughs> test to come get the swab up your nose. Because uh, after he f- finished singing at the inauguration, he uh, he was hugging everybody, walking around. And at first he went and just uh, shook Biden's hand. And I think he shook uh, Jill's hand as well. Then he went over and he hugged uh, Harris and her husband. And then it was just, he was on, he was hugging the Clintons, he was hugging the Obamas, hugging everybody. And then he ran out of there, threw his cowboy hat on and uh, stormed out of the building. He couldn't really run, he had the boots on. Yeah. And his dress jeans. And I think too, it was funny because they had, uh, so they had uh, Lady Gaga doing the national anthem. And then they had um, uh, Jennifer Lopez doing uh, America the Beautiful, I believe, or This Land is Our Land. Uh, She did a a medley of the two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder, like, was there any debate you know, prior to the performances about who gets to do what. It was oh. like J-Lo upset that she didn't get to do the national anthem, right. that she was second place. Then she threw in that little, whatever, that little moment of uh, speaking in Spanish to, mm. her, to her people. She, J-Lo's always got to do her little thing. She's always got to go a little off script. Yeah, like the new Sheena Easton. <laughs> or, 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 or a Miami sound machine breakthrough now all of a sudden. But really, you know, out of all the speeches and all the glamour and all the stuff that went down yesterday, that Amanda Gorman really stole the show. Unbelievable. Yeah, who would think a, a poet would uh, step up and beat everybody? Exactly. I mean, when I, you know, when you hear the introductions, and you think, oh, and, and now America's youth. Yeah. Poet laureate, and you know the eyes roll, going, "Oh, here's a couple of minutes. We won't get back." Here we go. Um, and then you know, she stands up there, young. She's 22. Looks like she's 14. Mm. Speaks like she's 45. Like she's uh, unbelievably poised. What she wrote was incredible, mm-hmm. and the delivery was awesome. And then in the interviews afterwards, even Anderson Cooper was just absolutely swept away in interviewing her, the poise that she had. Mm. It was great. I understand those earrings you were saying earlier were given to her by uh, Oprah. Uh, Oprah. The now earrings she... and the ring that she was wearing are a tribute to Maya Angelou, and, and, uh, and they were given to her by Oprah. You get a ring, and you get a ring, <laughs> you get a... Poor girl, now she's got to pay the taxes on those earrings. <laughs> Listen, she's, she's got a very bright future ahead yeah. of her. Yeah, I heard she, um, so I guess Biden had heard her speak or uh, read a Biden. poem yeah. and, and loved her. And uh, so they asked her to do this and she scrambled. She said up to like 24 hours out, she was trying to find an end uh, to wrap up the poem. So she found out in mid-December that she'd be speaking and started writing the poem then. and then Yesterday. Things got, yeah. In the limo on the way over. <laughs> Scratch something down. Something you and I do. <laughs> so how do you want to handle this? <laughs> well, you start that's off what, with a joke. That's what we do yeah. behind the scenes of every yeah. time we have to do some kind of a live performance. Sitting there with a beer in our hand. <laughs> oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. You get up and say something stupid and then I'll say something stupid and we'll leave. <laughs> we'll yeah. cuss and we'll leave. <laughs> but then she's at... After January 6th, she thought, uh, she thought, oh boy, you know, do I have to scrap this or change this? How is this going to work? And right. Then, you know, what, what she put together I thought was absolutely fantastic. And yeah. she's, uh, she went from 50,000, about 50,000 Twitter followers at the start of the day to a million wow. by the end of it. Wow. Yeah, she, she did great. I felt bad for her too because you could tell with the cold, she was starting to get a runny nose. Right. And, you know, when you're in the middle of something, you're on the national platform, you're like, oh, now I got boogers hanging out my nose. <laughs> This is great. That would be us. My w- <laughs> yeah. Or I'd sneeze or I'd cough or poop my pants, something like that. Uh, we talked about this sometime back about there was a plateau 
for salary versus happiness. And it seemed that the plateau at the time was believed to be like 75 grand a year. Okay. If you made 75 grand a year, you were uh, basically happy day to day. But more research has been done, and it turns out that uh, more money can buy you happiness. (laughs) Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) So if you basically go from like 25 grand to 50, you're happy. If you go from 100 to 200, you're happy. Oh, if you double. Yeah. Well, whatever. If you get just that, you know, it it doesn't have to stop at 75. It's not that if you make $300,000 or 75,000 it was believed that your happiness was about the same yeah turns out now the guy making 300 grand is much happier than you are at 75 <laughs> yeah. uh, the statement more money more problems yeah. you know is always uttered by people who have money <laughs> <laughs> you need to have money first in order right. to have the extra problems the people who have problems without money still have problems. You know, I don't doubt that there are uh, problems when you have money. Oh, it's for just sure. different because when you have money, day-to-day financial things, uh, like where your next meal is coming from, is not the concern. Where you end up having problems is in your relationships and your life in general. I know this for a fact because I just had a conversation yesterday with a buddy of mine who's in the midst of a divorce Divorcing a woman he's been married to for th- almost 30 years. And this woman comes from money. Mm. Big, big money. And it's not their marriage is just crumbling. Her, her personal life, her family situation is in disarray. And, and, and it's because of the money. And for so many different reasons. And so someone could be sitting, you could be driving by a home and a bridal path or something just north of here, a mansion, and you think, oh, wouldn't that be great? It could be a nightmare inside of that house. You know, it, it's, you know you're right. It's, it's not more money, more problems. More money, new problems. Mm. And, and there is this sentiment, and, and I think the Trump presidency, in the, in the rise of Trump to president, was part of it, or an example of it, where people think, well, if I'm surrounded by money, mm. it'll bring me up too. Mm-hmm. Right, that that you know, people who have money should help you get there. Mm. Right, and uh, and if you've got money, there's an obligation to help those that don't have it as well. And that's one of the things that can, can create more problems. I think a lot of the, the the maybe one of the myths of Trump is that he was so rich and successful he could make everyone mm. rich and successful. And it's it's just not the case. And then there's a, an expectation, you know, if you know someone who's got a lot of money, it's like, ah, oh, well, all right, well. Why does he help me out? Mm. You know, too, and you know that that can be difficult, especially when there's different factors of what a lot of money is, right? Mm. Like you go win a, a lottery win of a hundred grand, well, that will really help you out, mm. make you happy, uh, I'm sure, right? You win a million, that'll do it as well. You win ten, all of a sudden there's more expectations. That's exactly. Uh, of, uh, okay, well, uh, I gotta. It's not just me I'm helping out now. Uh, I gotta help out everyone else around me. The lottery win is the worst, too, because th- that's just stupid luck, right? Mm. You know, I, I would never expect of of, uh, of anybody who worked hard and made a fortune for themselves to give me dime one. Why would they? But you come strolling in here and tell me you just won $300 million. You better give me something. Because... <laughs> You didn't figure that out yourself. I'll give you a new co-host. <laughs> and I would be happy about that. I, 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 will, I will say this. We've talked about, you know, having uh, lots of money and winning. And I've always been on the side of I'd rather win small than people wouldn't ask of me. And, and you certainly would like to have the Powerball. But I, I sit here today after talking to my friend yesterday. And, you know, I, 
I, I've known him for years, and I have honestly spent years being incredibly jealous of, of the life. Mm-hmm. He met this, this woman that he married when they were like 16 years old. They dated. They never broke up. They got married. They had three children. They had this life together. And I remember going to their first beautiful home when they got married, and we were living in that 600-square-foot cottage, and they had this like 5,000-square-foot home, and they were like 22 years old. The vacations, Europe, everywhere they'd gone. Uh, yesterday I, I spoke to him. He's brokenhearted. His marriage is over. His kids are heartbroken. You know, none of mm-hmm. that money brings that back. Yeah. You know, and for the first time in all the years I met him, I thought, I'm in a better spot. You know? Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, you don't normally, when you when you don't have money, there's not a lot of people that are jealous of your situation. Right. Uh, necessarily. And, and that, that can, jealousy can drive a heck of a lot going on. And that, ter- in terms of having money, too, is what leads to a lot of those family problems later on. I quite enjoyed this yesterday. Uh, Doug Ford snapping at Pfizer. Well, before I pass it to General Hillier, you know, it, it, it makes me very, very angry. And I'm not, I want to make something clear. I'm, I'm not angry at the prime minister, deputy prime minister. We've been working collaboratively. I, I'm just angry at the situation that other countries are getting at. And nothing is more important than than getting these vaccines and if i was in his shoes i'm sure he is doing it but i'd be on that phone call every single day i'd be up that guy's yin yang so far with a firecracker he wouldn't know what hit him with from pfizer i would would not stop until we get these vaccines other countries small countries populations of five million we're part of the g7 we're a major player in the world so this isn't directed i want to emphasize this again it isn't directed per se at the pm or or uh, the deputy, because I, I think the world of them are working collaboratively together. But man, we got to be on these guys like a blanket. I'd be outside that guy's house. Every time he moved, I'd be saying, where's our vaccines? Other people are getting them. The European Union's getting them. Why not Canada? That's my question to Pfizer. We need your support. We need it. There's, there's, there's a plant, a Pfizer plant, six hours in Kalamazoo, Michigan, with the Americans. My, my American friends, help us out. We need help once again, as we did with the PPE. You have a new president. No more excuses. We need your support, and we look forward to your support. And that's a, a direct message to President Biden. Help out your neighbor. You want us all to get along, you know, hunky-dory, kumbaya? Help us out. I'm asking you for help. I just I just don't know where on the human body the yin-yang is. <laughs> why, why do you want to be putting a firecracker up there? Right. Uh, and I also like the idea of him hiding behind a bush outside of the president of Pfizer's house. Guy's out there trying to have a little sip of a cocktail in right. the evening. And there's Dougie going, hey, where's my, where's my vaccine? <laughs> really? Yeah. Him, him hanging out around a drug person's house. Then. <laughs> hey, where's mine? Um, listen, it, it's he's not wrong. Right. And I get the frustration because... You know, as much as the head of Pfizer or, you know, President Biden has all of these people reaching out and asking him for assistance as well, Doug Ford is hearing the same thing from every level below him. Sure. Right? Well, why aren't you helping out? Why aren't you doing enough? And all the armchair quarterbacks who say they could do it better uh, and faster. And so I, I hear his frustration. The, you know, the paper heavyweight, though, is kind of, you know, I, I know he likes to be off the cuff and, and, the regular guy it sounds a little bit annoying, though. It's really, are you really going to go and uh, 
and, and then fight somebody for it? Are you really expecting you know these words to change? You're gonna you're gonna put a firecracker up someone? I'd be right on him all the time. Well, listen, you know if you're gonna be on his doorstep, why don't you be on some of the doorsteps of your own ministers who are taking vacations during this mm-hmm. uh, when you know you did nothing about it? You didn't kick them out. I would just like to be there when the uh, firecracker goes up the yin yang. <laughs> I also, I also think that if somebody wanted something out of me, shoving firecrackers up my yin yang is not the way to get it. Do you remember uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway? He had uh, the friend Wilson that he talked to the uh, the volleyball. Uh huh. Which actually, speaking of Tom Hanks, a little side note: Could someone not have handed him a coat? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cold night. Poor guy's out there. He's got a suit on. He's got gloves. I mean, he just got through COVID. He's, right. he's a little frail himself. Well, I mean, uh, you know, he, he could get himself a coat, too. I think he would have thought he about prepare that. Prepare for the weather. But even at some point, he could have turned when he was not on camera and said, Rita. Right. <laughs> Rita! <laughs> you with the camera. Get yeah. your coat. <laughs> you. I'm Tom Hanks. <laughs> even, st- you know, he stumbled a couple of times because he was cold. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. Anyway, it was very well done. Some of it I was trying to figure out. You could tell some was live and some was not. Uh, but it was uh, very well done the way they uh, put it together. I'm almost getting used to like seeing performances like this now with nobody around. It'll yeah. almost be jarring the next time I see an actual live. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, in the but I mean, like the Foo Fighters one, you could say they're all different camera angles. Yeah. There, was, there was a director and someone shooting this. Yeah. And it was, it was very well done. Yeah. Uh, but it just, you know, you see the names that come out oh, when yeah. when it's, you know, President Biden. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, no one was itching for Scott Bayo in the middle of that. <laughs> Would you please welcome Alabama? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Where are we, we going to fit Alabama? Somewhere between the Foo Fighters, Bon Jovi, and Bruce. Yeah, uh, next time it's a uh, Republican president, Screech will get up and read a poem. <laughs> Anyhow, so if you're back to the, uh, to the Wilson question, if you remember Wilson from Castaway and Tom Hanks, his character, he spent the entire time talking to him. Turns out experts say during this pandemic, if you have an imaginary friend, it's okay. It's good for you to have somebody to talk to. It'll improve your mental health. You know, we have to say if you talk, you know, you're crazy if you're talking to yourself and then answering your questions or arguing with yourself. Right. I do. So I notice that I talk to myself like a lot and out loud. Like sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm oblivious to the fact that I'll be like walking into the grocery store and I'll be like, Okay, I know I got to get oranges. I got to get milk. And, oh, I'll you be, and I'll be saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Really? yeah, and I'll go, oh, geez, I'm talking out loud. <laughs> have, you, have you ever had any imaginary friends? Uh, no. I mean, I, I grew up an only child. Yeah. So I always had like an internal dialogue, a conversation going. Right, right. I, I don't remember having any specific imaginary friends that I would talk to. I, I think that would require some sort of hospitalization. <laughs> <laughs> or at least therapy. What's wrong with that boy? <laughs> Glad we didn't know another kid. Mm, two crazies. I had a bunch of friends, imaginary, when I was young, but I got I didn't get along with any of them. So I, I stopped hanging out with them. They never agreed with me. I can't believe that we're not suggesting imaginary friends. This is like, all right. We started this whole thing off, mm-hmm. and everyone right away was missing their friends. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? We're going on Zoom calls and FaceTime and... All of this trying to, you know, new ways to reach out to our friends right. and, and just reconnect and chat again. You know, now ditch them all over well, yeah. again. Well, because you realize. <laughs> I just want an imaginary one. That's right, because your imaginary friend you will most likely get along with. You realize all your friends on social media you hate. Right. You don't agree on anything with them. It's a nightmare. You might as well just have an imaginary friend named Wilson. A volleyball is easier to get along with. <laughs> 
do you think the first ever text was sent on December 3rd, 1992? What do you think that text was? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Did you turn off the stove? Right. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, Merry Christmas. Okay. First text ever sent, 1993. Right. The first artist to be ever stripped of a Grammy was? Millie Vanilli. That's right. Over the uh, news that came out that they lip synced their songs. Sing the song. Which is so funny. Like, I, I, on some level, I feel bad for them because they were so vilified over that. And then, you know, years later, people like, uh, take, take, I guess, of any pop singer, they don't even fake it anymore. They're right. on stage dancing around. I've seen, you know, I've seen some of them literally with the microphone down by their hip as they're dancing and their vocals are still there. The thing is, Millie Vanilli didn't win for a live performance. They won for an album, mm. right? And like a recording, mm. which they didn't record. Mm -hmm. You know, in this day and age, they would have recorded it and just auto-tuned it to make them sound better. Right, right. But, but they didn't have that then. I just feel like I got to defend Millie Vanilli. Sure. <laughs> there was so low expectations for Star Wars, there was only 42 screens nationwide for its opening weekend. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Like the, the marketing people, others would have... Said to the, you know, to George and crew, ah, we don't think it's got legs. We were, uh, well, there was like a, a, a binge on it over the holidays, mm. right? Where it was just on uh, all day on a couple of channels. And, uh, and I could watch a little bit of it. And, and just, I'm still amazed that they filmed that with models and like, you know, dudes stuffed into garbage cans, mm -hmm. basically. And uh, and and just like a camera on what is like the Lego set you would build for it, yep. and that's how they they made those scenes. It's pretty impressive without the CGI. When you still look at it, and it still holds up pretty well. Yeah, I haven't seen it in decades, but uh, I was never a fan. I remember getting dragged to some theater to see Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back and whatever the third one is, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. I think that was like a triple bill. Like it oh went on all day. Goodness. Yeah, a buddy of mine was so into it. And it was this, uh, some theater downtown. And I remember being like 20 minutes in and thinking, I just want to go home. <laughs> I, I really. <laughs> that's a big commitment. That's a big day. <laughs> I mean, even if you're a Star Wars fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They used to do that occasionally with uh, movies that had done very well. They'd get them all together and do one big screening in a day. And now, speaking of Star Wars. France uh, didn't stop executing people with a guillotine until September of 1977. That was the year that Star Wars came out. So wow. they were still chopping people's melons off. In 1977? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not good. I mean, I guess quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, because when it comes to, like, uh, the death penalty, I was watching this thing on HLN, these uh, death uh, row stories. And uh, you know, and I watched the dark well, stuff once. I watched one or two episodes. I don't spend months and months. I stumbled upon it because I, I, HLN is one of those like uh, headline news channels that I think appeared years ago and was kind of supposed to be a competition to CNN. And right. It really kind of never even came close. Now it just shows all sorts of these kind of things. 2020 type stuff. Yeah, they had like a what really happened. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I sat and watched the... Um, what the hell was her name? She died in the early 2000s. I can't even remember now. Uh, she's a big, blonde woman. Uh, Anna, Anna Nicole Smith. Oh, all right, yeah. I sat and watched the story of her death. That's how bored I was yesterday. 
<laughs> Anyhow, um, you know, when it comes to the death penalty, uh, you've got either injection, lethal injection, the electric chair. Of course, at one time they put you up against the wall and just shot you. Right. But all of those things, the lethal injection, it is said, takes quite a while. The electric chair isn't like a quick zap mm-hmm. and over. That guillotine, though, head off done, I would think. You, well, you'd hope. And especially if they were doing it in 77. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know if Gillette was sponsoring it. <laughs> <laughs> if they did that now, they probably would have like a sponsor. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, Ronald McDonald is called Donald McDonald in Japan. Right. Because there's no clear R sound in Japanese. Every mammal has about one billion heartbeats in their lifetime, regardless, regardless of their lifespan. So a mammal that lives a shorter time, like a dog, has a heart that beats faster than a mammal that lives a longer time, like a whale. Okay. Yeah. Russia and Pluto have almost the exact same surface area, 6.6 million square miles for Russia, 6.8 million for Pluto. And Pluto, not Pluto anymore. They declassified it to a star, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Now? That's a big star. Uh. That's, a lot of, that's a lot of stars, 6.8 million. Um, Saddam Hussein used Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You as his campaign re-election song in, 20, uh, in uh, 2002. <laughs> uh, I guess it was effective because he won 100% of the vote. Oh, really? Yeah, shocking. <laughs> no, no fidging there with them. <laughs> they hmm. must have used the Dominion machines. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 30% of households in North America had a Nintendo in 1990. Only 23% had a personal computer. Wow. Yeah, and by the 90s, you're starting to get better computers out there. Although mm-hmm. it was still those like big floppy disks mm-hmm. that you were using and not much uh, memory on them or much fun to, to well, have on them. Remember when Apple came out with the multicolored uh, screens? They yeah. Were the blue and they were red and they were so cool and modern looking. Until then, they just had that one tower with the screen and then the, the disk right That's to right. the bottom of it. That's right, yeah. I we bought a house in like late nineties, uh, a new home, and they called it a tech home. And the reason it was a tech home was because it came with a Bell Express U satellite dish, okay, a security alarm, and uh, and, a, and a home computer. Which I think now my fob for my car has more memory in it than this, this thing did. But we thought we were very cutting edge. It is amazing when you think about you know the video games that we played in our youth and the graphics and the you know yep. the amount of memory that they took. Like, yeah, the USB sticks have more than entire systems it's crazy. back in that day. Uh, and finally, Suge Knight played in two games in the NFL for the Los Angeles Rams in 1987. He was a defensive end and wound up with zero stats. <laughs> oh, really? No tackles. Didn't even take a flag on the no, play? No, no tackles, sacks, or anything else. <laughs> no. He's not going to the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.